Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Clack 2. This is the fourth and final episode of the in-depth series on uh, codecs. There are certain codecs that probably a great many of us won't really encounter that often, but some of them are interesting because they they kind of they show how specialized codecs can be and how certain codecs are working to overcome certain limitations of of computers and, and, and video, transmitting video across, you know, great distances, things like that. So I'll go over that a little bit and then at the toward the end of the episode, uh, we'll talk a lot about AUG. And um, I would also like to just touch on just a typical line command of, you know, how to encode your video into the AUG format. And AUG is obviously something that we'll all encounter uh, quite frequently. So that'll split the episode between something you'll probably never see and something you'll see all the time. So again, these are all kind of obscure codecs, but one of the, the most interesting one per, perhaps uh, are the, the encoding hardware and software packages that certain companies are selling to, for instance, um, the news programs. Remote news reporters have to get their reports at the scene when you when they switch over to these people live. Obviously, since it's happening in reality and being recorded by a video camera, there's a codec involved, right? That's what we talked about in the first episode, how a codec is simply translating real reality into a digital stream. So they're taking the video, they're compressing it, or encoding it, and then they have to send it across sometimes the world to get that video to play live on television for our consumption. The way they do this is not by setting up a MacBook next to their, um, although Apple would love for you to think that, they're not setting up like just a computer next to the, you know, plugging the camera into it and streaming it. They're piping it into a rack unit that is dedicated to compressing video at really, really, really fast rates. And I don't necessarily feel the need to mention a company for this, but just in case someone actually needs, like, has a need for this kind of service or or is just interested in this kind of stuff, um, there is one that I know of called Streambox, um, and they have codecs called uh, ACT-L3 and RMS, no relation, I think, to RMS. I think another one that cr- I, I think that I've used in a in a job was uh, by Green Valley, although I, I could be wrong about that. Those are, are dedicated hardware devices that simply encode video, and it's very heavy duty and it's very serious and it's it's you know it's 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 not something that a lot of people are going to use often. But just be aware that that exists, and that's how really really smooth video is transferred across the globe, you know, it's, um, it's serious stuff. So there are other companies, um, and they're just small ones that I, I really don't even want to mention their name because I don't want to promote them in any way. And they just get into the business of codecs and they'll pinpoint a market. For instance, maybe someone wants to, uh, pinpoint the streaming market because they know that streaming video is big right now. And so they figure they'll offer a codec and they'll market that codec as being a specialized codec for streaming, and it's really good with low bandwidth situations, and all these other claims to fame. And there might be some truth to it, but the bottom line is that the hardware is still the same hardware. The software, I mean, how good can it really be? And it's just, it's a really great way for someone to make a quick buck off of a company that's looking for a solution of how to stream video, or whatever the market that they're pinpointing is.
There are yet other codecs that you will find uh, more similar to the to the Streambox stuff, where they're they're dedicated hardware. There are capture cards out there, not so much for Linux, as far as I know, um, dedicated to capturing, for instance, really really high definition video. A lot of computers cannot handle that kind of bit rate, even with a good graphics card and a, a fiber optic link. There's just not enough power. So what what certain gr- uh, cards will do is, is take in the high definition. It will re-encode it into something more manageable by the computer. They can edit the, the video, and then they can send it back out. So these are really specialized codecs, and they often have strange names, and they're owned by whatever company is making this specialized hardware. And again, you'll, you'll, you'll see the name of the codec in VLC Player if you open up a clip. If it's a mysterious clip, you have no idea why it's not playing anywhere else. Open it up in VLC. Whether it plays or not, you'll see the name of the codec right there. Do a Google search for that codec. Bang. You found out at least who owns that codec, and you're one step closer to getting it. There are also codecs that are that are actually quite specialized um, containers for like 3D modeling and things like that that will have the support for really interesting aspects of, I guess, video that that usually you wouldn't really need, like a materials list and a textures map and, and things like that. So that those are the specialized codecs. And then, of course, there is the great AUG. AUG is the open source solution, aside from XVID, it's one of the open source solutions for all those evil codecs out there. There is AugVorbis, sound only. It can contain metadata, so it's just like MP3 in the sense that it has tags and things like that. Uh, it may even soon be able to contain data like MIDI data and things like that. So it's it's a pretty cool little format. There's AugFiora, which is obviously the video codec. Now, AugFiora, there's a lot of confusion about that. A lot of people don't aren't clear on the the patent freedom of of AugFiora. The deal is this: AugFiora was based on a codec owned by a company called Onto. The codec was called VP3, and VP3 is covered by patents, but the codec Theora, owned by the Ziff, um, Ziff.org, guys who do the AUG stuff, Theora has an irrevocable license to do whatever they want to do. Whatever Ziff wants to do with Theora, they're allowed to do it. It's irrevocable, it's permanent. So while VP3 is covered by patents, Theora is licensed by that company. If On2 and Ziff have a falling out and never talk to one another again, that agreement stands. So AugFior is a perfectly legal and safe codec to use. It is not a problem. There are many players for AugFiora. VLC Player, Totem, Miro, formerly known as Democracy Player. So if you're sending out AugFiora files to friends, which you should if you're going to send video, they can't play it in their Windows Media Player or their QuickTime Player. Tell them to go download either Miro or VLC Player. They can watch it. And that will be that. And now that KDE is out for both Windows and Mac, you could even send them to go download Caffeine. So, AugFiora is a great little codec. It is MPEG-4 compliant. It supports I and P frames, not B frames. But I haven't had any problems with that. Um, It supports variable bitrate, so that 
uh, in a situation where there's a big fancy explosion with lots of lasers, it will give that that section of the video very high bandwidth, a uh, very high bitrate, and then I, we cut to me talking at the microphone again, and it'll drop my bitrate down because I don't need that much information. So that's a really handy device uh, called variable bitrate to keep your your end file size down by ver by making it a variable in terms of what bitrate each scene gets. Uh, it works within the YUV color space, which is the default for professional-grade video. It, uh, it does not interlace, but again, that hasn't been really a problem for anyone that I know of. I mean, interlaced video is kind of being phased out in many ways, so. Um, Aug or the ZIF people also have uh, the FLAC codec, which is the uncompressed audio codec, like WAVE or AIFF. Speaks is for low bitrate audio. It supports VBR. Uh, it's just a very pared-down kind of codec that they've designed just voice stuff. So that if I if I wanted to send this out in the Speaks format, that would be great. It's extremely low bitrate stuff. It would be ideal, I would think, for something like Skype or something like that. There have been some, I think, video games. Uh, I think I heard on an interview with someone from Ziff, like some prominent video games have actually used the Speaks uh, codec for, I guess, online talking to other players or something like that. So that's kind of cool. So AUG is a fantastic codec, nothing to be afraid of, very handy codec. And now let's talk a little bit about how we can transcode video that maybe we acquire from someone into a free format like AUG. Or maybe it's video that we've acquired from a, a video camera. We want to save it for, for ourselves. We want to archive it. Going to AUG is a great idea either AUG or XVID, because you never know what the MPEG society is going to do. You don't know what kind of support they're going to give you. Whereas AUG and XVID, obviously being open source, not going to be a problem in terms of it suddenly disappearing off the face of the earth. So to do this, you'll need um, FFmpeg to Theora installed. That is FFmpeg, the number two, and then the word Theora, T-H-E-O-R-A. Easiest way to get that, apt-get install F-F-M-P-E-G, the number two, T-H-E-O-R-A, or yum install F-F-M-P-E-G to Theora. Either way, it'll get to your repository and grab that little command line program, and you can open up a terminal or a console, and you can do the following. The, the command, obviously, is ffmpeg to Theora, and then you type in the name of the file, so it'll be example.avi. Then you need to give it this, the frame size that you want. So you, if, you're go, if you're staying native, it's just going to, if it was standard definition, it would be dash x space 720, and then dash y space 480, or whatever. You know, you, you look, at the, look at the video that you're trying to transcode and see what the native uh, frame size is. Or if you want to scale it down, then you just do the math, 320 by 240, or, or whatever size you prefer. And you'll want to define your bitrate as well. So the option for that is uh, dash capital V. And that is going to be measured in kilobits per second. Can't really predict what it would be, it just depends on the video. So it could be anywhere from conceivably 200 kilobits per second all the way up to a lot more. Um, so just whatever bitrate you think is going to treat the video best and be better for your for your audience. You'll need to, you or you may want to also define the aspect ratio because Augtheora does have a lot of different 
aspect ratios that it can encode to. So if it was something that you'd recorded um, in anamorphic mode on your camera, it would be dash dash aspect space 16 colon 9. Um, or if it was just standard definition uh, non-anamorphic, it'd be 4 colon 3 audio bitrate as well. And remember, the higher the audio bitrate, essentially the lower the video bitrate is going to be if, a f if file size is a concern to you. So typical audio bitrate, you figure the audio that you download off of the internet usually uh, is about, what, 128 kilobits per second a lot of times on, on music. It's a lot less on most podcasts because most podcasts are people talking, and so it's, it's frequently 64 kilobits per second. So whatever you think the audio, the audio in this in this clip would would require is what you would put here so dash capital a 192 would be pretty good sound 128 kind of standard sound anything lower than 128 you're you're getting into areas where audio people are going to start to cringe you can also set how many output channels of audio you have so that would be just dash c and then you can do one or two. Uh, you can set the keyframe interval, um, which would be your iframes, and that's uh, the default for 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 FFmpeg2 Theora is 64. So that's one really nice frame every two seconds, roughly. So you could make that more frequent if you wanted to. There's the sample rate that you'll want to set for your audio again, dash capital H. For CD quality, it's 44,100. DVD quality would be more like 48,000. 48, um, I usually just leave it at 44,100. Not really a reason to go higher than that, usually. Not a good idea to go lower than that. Dash O is your output. So put dash O and then name of file dot OGG. The dot OGG is the, again, the container file. So all the OG... When we say Og, we're we're typically talking about Og Vorbis, but we might be talking about Og Theora, obviously. The Og is simply our version of the .avi, or the .mp4, or the .wmv, or what have you. Hit return, and it will start uh, encoding your video. Encoding video relies heavily on the power of your CPU. Video is being processed by your CPU, it's being, being received and then written back out as a file, if you have a couple of CPUs dedicated to doing this, it'll be a pretty quick process. If you have just a single Intel Core Duo 2 chip, it's going to take, you know, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a long file, it could take quite a while. Be aware that encoding video is usually an intense and long process. Your computer will get pretty hot. You will get pretty bored waiting for it, so it's a great thing to have running overnight or uh, start it up in the morning and go to work, come back, see what happens. But that's all there is to it, really. It's just keeping in mind the, the variables that we've discussed in episode 2, I think, or 3, whatever we were talking about, and then just typing in those variables into the command line one after another with the input file at the very beginning, the output file at the very end. The manual page for FFmpeg2 Theora is actually one of the best manual pages that I've ever read. I find it very clear. It just it gives you a list of every single flag that you can possibly assign to FFmpeg2 Theora. 
I guess it doesn't really tell you a whole lot about it, but now you know all you need to know about those variables. So when you see that there's the keyframe interval or the video bit rate and the audio bit rate and the sample rate, things like that, you now know what all that is talking about. Thanks for listening. This has been Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.